Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Ken Ungar, the president and founder of the Charge Sponsorship Agency. So we're talking sponsorship and how it can help your marketing efforts. Thanks for downloading. Now, sponsoring a team or a person or an event can be a powerful way of getting a name out there and driving some sales and leads, but it can be a complicated business. So, help is at hand from Ken Ungar. He's the president and founder of the Charge Sponsorship Agency. Uh, Ken is here to explain the basics of sponsorship, how to pick the right person, the right team to sponsor, and there's heaps of advice on how to avoid problems and, and get the most out of your sponsorship deal. Now, you can find Ken at chargesponsorship.com. That's chargesponsorship.com. There's also a bunch of free resources available at chargesponsorship.com slash free stuff. Okay. Uh, You can connect with Ken on LinkedIn as well. All the links are in the show notes. Now, can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. I'd love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media. Subscribe via your favourite podcast app. Uh, there's links, more podcasts, all sorts of things at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Ken was to explain the basics of sponsorship and how it can help a business. Yeah, John, so it's Sponsorship is often confused with advertising. Mm. So let me explain the difference between the two. So advertising is when you pay a fee for an advertiser to market your message. There's no relationship. The The fee really is just taken uh, for the exposure that you get on that the advertiser's platform, whether it's television or a streaming podcast or what have you. But sponsorship, on the other hand, is a relationship. You are marketing the fact of the relationship between the sponsor and the property. And the sponsor is using the intellectual property of uh, of that property, their logo, their image, in order to improve the sponsorship's business. So it's very much a relationship as opposed to advertising, which is just really a one-way transaction. Do you think when sponsorship fails, it's because a lot of folks are treating it a little bit like advertising? Absolutely. it's a Sponsorship has to be leveraged in order for it to be uh, successful. Like any relationship, the more care and feeding you give it, the more benefit that it will produce for you. We know of the big sponsors. We see them all over the place, don't we? Sponsors of the Olympics, of football, soccer teams, of all sorts of different things, the Nikes, the Coca-Colas of the world. But have you got any examples of sponsorships that have worked well for smaller businesses? Yeah, sponsorship really works at every level, and really it's scalable in terms of the organizations that are looking for sponsorship, the fees that they charge, um, the uh, exposure that you get. So, I mean, we have seen sponsorship at every level from whether it's your local football team or whether it's uh, your local theater. Uh, There are all types of opportunities for smaller businesses. And really, the most important thing is, does the the audience of the property, so if it's that football team, do the fans of that football team, are they the same people who are the customers of your business? If you can match that up, sponsorship works at every level, be it small business or large. 
Yeah, so you've got you've got to get that fit, really, haven't you, between between the the organisation you're sponsoring and what you sell. Yeah, audience fit, I, I think, is is probably the first and, and most important aspect of sponsorship. If you get that right, um, you have a great chance of success with sponsorship. On the flip side, if you get it wrong, there are lots of ways to spend money in sponsorship and not produce anything for your business. Yeah. Um, so so what, what sort of things do we need to think about when searching for a person or an organization to sponsor? What are the things we need to keep in mind? Well, if if I'm a small or medium-sized business, the first thing to keep in mind is there are many more sellers of sponsorship than there are buyers. So really, if I'm a business looking for sponsorship, I need to recognize that I'm in the driver's seat. So there are, whether there are sports teams or arts organizations or nonprofits, there are many, many, many seekers of sponsorship. So I wouldn't feel that it's important to take the first opportunity that comes along. The first thing that I would do is to really understand your customer base. If you're a sponsorship um, buyer, who are my customers? And then I would try to recognize what are those things that are valuable to my customers? What uh, organizations do they value? What activities do they participate in? So for example, if my customers are avid uh, fishermen, hmm. if they like to fish, then I would probably align my business uh, with those properties that are about fishing, whether they're sports or whether they're resorts or things of that nature. So it starts with understanding your customer base if you're a small or medium-sized business. And then proceeding from there, once you understand what your customers value. You mentioned there's more sellers uh, than there are of buyers of sponsorship. Is th- there's not a lack of businesses. Do you think there's there's a little, you know, do you, do you think a lot of businesses just sit back and just go the easy route of advertising instead? Well, I think that really they could. But the important thing to realize about sponsorship is, I believe, and, and I may be biased, I own a sponsorship yeah. marketing <laughs> consulting firm. Yeah. But I do participate in all different forms of, of marketing is that sponsorship is generally more powerful than advertising because of this phenomenon, which has been studied academically, called image transfer. So if I'm a fan of a particular football team and there's a sponsor of that football team, I'm going to think more highly of that sponsor because I think highly of that football team. That just does not exist in advertising. If I'm watching a certain television program and there's an advertiser, I am not thinking more highly of that (laughs) advertiser simply because they advertise on my favorite television program. In fact, it's usually the opposite. I'm I'm actually quite annoyed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to skip an ad, isn't it? Right, exactly. Since uh, the advent of digital video recorders, it's it's easy to hit that fast forward button. Yeah. So that's another another way that advertising is circumvented. And so, from a sponsorship power perspective, it's a very powerful medium. So again, if I'm a smaller, medium-sized business, if I can find the right fit, uh, I'm going to prefer probably sponsorship over advertising. Although I wouldn't give up advertising. I think. Every form of marketing has its place for a small and medium-sized business. It's just determining the right combination. That's the challenge for an entrepreneur, for an owner, for their marketing team. It's what is that right combination.
Do you think there's a difference between sponsoring a person rather than an organization or a team? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question, John, and I get that frequently, especially uh, with the advent of um, more athlete advertising. Certainly yeah. in the U.S., we've seen with name, image, and likeness advertising with college athletics. We've seen a lot more personal brand advertise, uh, sponsorship that's going on. And what I'd argue is that they both could be very powerful. The issue with personal brands and athletes for example, is they are m much more likely to change quickly than a traditional product or company brand. It, a company or product brand takes a lot of beating before they could change, especially mm -hmm. change for the negative. But a personal brand could be sometimes quite volatile uh, and, and change quickly, which is a risk for a sponsor. Do you think people maybe believe the sponsor a little bit more if they're sponsoring a person rather than the organisation? The reason I say that, because if you think of like a big team in, in the UK, would be, say, Manchester United Football Club, a global football team, right? And I, I bet you, ev I mean, well, I know everything is sponsored, you know, everything. Uh, you probably go to the, the, the bathroom and, and the toilet would be sponsored. <laughs> you know, everything is sponsored. And you kind of get a little bit tired of it. But when you see that sponsorship on an individual, a person, do you think psychologically it means a little bit more to us? Absolutely. So, you know, celebrity endorsement, athlete endorsement has been around. The first one was traced in the, um, I'm not sure globally, but in the U.S. about 120 years. So it's mm. something that has withstood the test of time. And it, it works on the same basis as I described earlier about image transfer. Because I believe that that celebrity has a great image yeah. and I identify with that, that celebrity or that athlete for whatever reason, if they endorse a certain product, I'm going to be more likely to think favorably of that product. I'm going to probably be more inclined to buy that product. So there is no question that celebrity endorsement and athlete endorsement works brilliantly in many cases. Do we need to engage with the person or this or the organization that we're sponsoring instead of saying, here's a chunk of money, wear our shirt and then forget about it? Do, do we need to engage to, to get the best out of this? Yeah, engagement is absolutely critical to this because it's not enough for you to have you to have the right to use the intellectual property of of that property. So whether it's an athlete or, you know, in your in, in the example that you used, if you're a Manchester United sponsor, it is really critical that you activate, that you leverage that sponsor, because it's important really to tell the world that Manchester United believes enough in my brand that I am the official sponsor. I've been granted the right to be the official sponsor of Manchester United. The more times that you say that, and more importantly, the more times that Manchester United itself says that, the more powerful the sponsorship works with consumers. And I suppose that you can get you can engage with with athletes, with with teams, with organizations that you sponsor in, in the sense of kind of following the games, following their their career and and talking about it on social media, writing articles about it. Would that be the sort of engagement you'd do? Yeah, that's that's an important point, John. And I, I think this all being part of an integrated marketing campaign, digital and social and advertising and all of those, it's integrating all the assets, your teams, this the athletes that uh, you've engaged in endorsement opportunities with. It's 
creating kind of an opportunity for them to integrate into your marketing strategy is really important and really impactful, especially when you're, you're so let's just say you're, you have an endorsed athlete relationship. Mm-hmm. When that athlete shows up in unexpected ways endorsing your brand, say on social media, when they're seen using your brand or they're endorsing your brand on social media and consumers don't expect that, that could be a really powerful, powerful tool. Is it usual to be able to get things like appearances out of athletes and teams and that when you sponsor them so they can come to your store, come they can appear at your AGM, whatever it is? Yeah, that's a great question, John. And so what we advise clients is up front to create a plan before they even come to agreement with the property. So again, let's continue with the Manchester United uh, example. Before I sign on the dotted line, if I'm a medium-sized business and I, I want to sponsor uh, Manchester United, before I've even signed on the dotted line, that sponsorship agreement, I've already created a plan with my marketing team to activate and leverage that sponsorship. So I know I need players for appearances at my store. I need players or I need the team to leverage uh, this relationship so many times on social media or we need to create X number of advertising campaigns around the sponsorship. Having that plan set out ahead of time is critical to making a sponsorship work because once the ink is dry on the sponsorship contract, it's going to be very expensive to change that. So do you think it's a good idea to pre-plan what you want before you go searching for the sponsorship in a way? Yeah, in a way to kind of understand how you would leverage it is yeah. really important before you you go ahead and and spend any money or create a contract relationship it's really understanding that and most importantly it's understanding how you're going to leverage that either you know the two most typical uh, uh aspects of return on investment are improving my brand image yeah so if I'm a business how do consumers think more highly of my brand and creating sales really leveraging the sponsorship to increase my sales. If you start with the end in mind and work backwards and create a plan that supports that, you're going to come up with a, a whole bevy of of tools and tactics which you can use that sponsorship to support one or both of those goals. Are the negotiations usually quite tough? Because I'm thinking about I'm thinking about a scenario saying we want five players to visit our our store. I don't know three times a year, and then the the team will turn around and say, no, 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 you're only going to get two. I mean, do the negotiations kind of work like that? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes they can really turn into bare knuckle brawls. Yeah, I can <laughs> so imagine, yeah. It, it really depends on the property. And generally, what you find is the more successful the property, uh, the more that they will pull back on what they offer in a sponsorship and the d- more difficult it is to e- extract those things that you need in a sponsorship. That's why we advise clients, you know, there there's one more than one fish in the ocean. And to the extent that a property is too difficult to work with, you know, my, my father always had an expression. He said, complicated going in, complicated going out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So if this negotiation is so difficult, so arduous, so complicated going in, the relationship is probably not going to work very well. There are many, many, many opportunities. I mentioned before, there are many more sellers of sponsorship than there are buyers. Sure. I'll find somebody else to do business with than this difficult property. 
Uh, should you be wary of the ones that are easy to negotiate? Maybe they're they're keen on just getting the money a little bit too quickly. I'm thinking of kind of like going straight in there and saying we want we want the front of the shirt and and then say okay instead of kind of like negotiating say no you can just have the corner of the lapel or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that certainly could be a red flag. So, yeah. <laughs> so if you find that. Everything that you want ends in a yes, then you might want to say this is a little too easy. But generally, if you have done your homework up front, so there's also an aspect of doing your homework where you understand what is the current exposure of that property? Are they on television? Are they streaming? How big is their audience? How successful are they? You know, how many followers do they have on social media? If you've done your homework and you've really looked at all those aspects of it, uh, you have a sense going in whether it'll be easy or hard. And generally, if it's too easy and they and those metrics are not very good, uh, you might want to think about a different sponsorship opportunity. Yeah, I think. And, and also on the, on the flip side, I suppose, when you look at the different teams and the organizations that they've they might not just have their own sponsorship, but they might have league sponsorship that they have to show on a shirt or something. And they might have international sponsorship or sponsorship for lots of different competitions. I know it's a little bit like that in football here in the UK. So it can get really complicated, I would imagine. Yeah, it, that, that's true around the world. Anytime that you have a team that's part of a federation or part of a league, there are league rights, there are team rights, and they and they're even um, you know kind of overlay that with athlete rights. Yeah, it could be a you know alphabet soup kind of a really you know convoluted mixed bag of rights, and could be very complicated. Oftentimes, what you see is there's actually conflict, and that uh, yeah. we we see especially at the team level. You have sponsors that feel that they would have uh, the right to do certain things that are actually prohibited at the league level, and they didn't know that going in. So whenever there's a team that's part of a federation, it's a little bit of buyer beware and really understand uh, what are the kind of the parameters of what you're allowed to do as a team or an athlete sponsor. And I suppose a lot of the teams they're also trying to sell shirts as well, so they don't they don't want too much sponsorship because they don't want to be basically selling a billboard to people, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, there's a aspect of sponsorship clutter. Yeah, and and so if you have a shirt that's just filled with with logos, and we we see this often, uh, we do some work in auto racing. Yeah, and you'll see it on the race suit of a, a driver when there's you know just dozens of sponsors on a race suit that clutter doesn't serve any of the sponsors very well because they're all competing for attention and when a consumer sees that race suit uh you know from a sensory perspective they're overwhelmed like which sponsor logo should we look at (laughs) yeah yeah Motor racing here in the UK is very much like that, and and uh, uh, cycle motorcycle racing in that it it you know there's you know every square centimeter is has got a badge, right, and so to the extent that you know that real estate every available you know centimeter is taken up with yeah. a with a sponsor logo. That doesn't necessarily serve the sponsor very well. It certainly serves the team and the athlete very well (laughs) because they're selling, you know, every square centimeter. But from a sponsorship perspective, um, now you have to parse out um, sharing your sponsorship exposure and sharing your ability that, you know, that also cuts to your ability to activate the sponsorship because all those sponsors that you would see on a race suit, they all have rights too. Sure. 
So they're all vying for appearances at their retail establishments. They're all vying for social media. And teams and athletes only have so much bandwidth to do that. So it it isn't necessarily a good thing for the uh, the billboard approach to sponsorship. Yeah. And that's why you'll see kind of the more um, – the larger sponsors, they'll try to buy everything and create a commanding presence, uh, whatever sport it is, but create a commanding presence – and you see that, for example, um, in your European football with, you know, um, sh- shirt sponsors where sure. there's, you know, one commanding presence on the front of the shirt. What do we do if our sponsor goes rogue? How do we how do we protect our band? How, what, what happens if, if they take something they shouldn't be taking and then win something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going rogue is <laughs> kind of an issue that happens. That's. You know, kind of clarity in the agreement going up front is really important. Um, so there's there's two aspects of going rogue. One is that you see when a sponsor goes rogue, they're, they're taking more than they are entitled to. Yeah. And then you have the property in an untenable position of having to have an argument with its sponsor. And that's never a good, a good uh, relationship to have as one that's based on argument. But, you know, the more clear that your agreement is up front, the more you can sort out those types of disagreements. But you also see um, people who are not sponsors going rogue in what we call ambush uh, ambush marketing. Right. Where you'll have the competitors of sponsors try to create proximity. Right. Uh, with the sponsorship relationship to kind of siphon off some of that, that good brand image uh, to themselves. And they have no rights. So that's kind of the the very definition of rogue. Yeah. And so uh those in those cases you you have to have a property that's willing to defend its sponsors because the, the sponsors are paying for that relationship. The ambush marketer is not. Um can small businesses when I say small businesses I mean like the local accountant, you know, the local estate agent, real estate agent. Um ca- can small businesses take advantage of sponsoring or is this really for the bigger boys? No, I absolutely believe that it's it's made for businesses at every level. And and because sponsorship is scalable, you know, the largest sponsorships are generally at the Olympic level. They cost yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. But, you know, sponsorships occur at the local level. They are hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. And so really, you know, those fundamental rules apply. Do my customers – do they frequent the sponsored event or the sponsored organization? That audience fit equation. And yeah. so whether it's your local football team or, again, a local concert hall or things of that nature, um, they work brilliantly for smaller businesses. In fact, um, they they work so well because they're very local in nature and there's probably more um, loyalty that you would show to your local football team or to other local businesses like concert halls and entertainment venues than you would to large, you know, large, whether it's football team or, you know, or other sport, sports teams, you feel very strongly about the things most local to you. Well, small businesses should tap into that passion that yeah. passion and that loyalty that people have for, for those types of activities. And by sponsoring it, again, that image transfer, because I feel strongly about that, that small local football team that, you know, you know, my teenager participates in, 
I'm going to feel strongly about that small business that supports it. I'm going to move my business. I'm going to shop at that grocery store. I'm going to 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 go to that dry cleaner, whatever that is. Um, same principles apply, just a lower price point. Yeah, I, I think about my local football team here. I mean, it's sponsored by, I think, the local brewery and a local builder's merchant. Just tiny businesses. Yeah, and so, you're again, you're going to say... Uh, there's a lot of gratitude that goes on yeah. on the fa- the fan level because fans understand, and especially this is a little bit different sport to sport, but generally fans understand that sponsors make these events possible. And that's why we, we advise sponsors do something that is fan friendly, do something that you're, you're, you know, asking the fans for permission to be a part of their, their fan experience so whether it's create a free Wi-Fi opportunity or yeah. provide free soft drinks or whatever it is, to, to that they understand that this event is pos- made possible or this event is made better or this team you know can stay in existence because of the sponsorship of this brewery or this store. Again, f- fans, the, there's data that exists that demonstrate. Fans will thank the sponsor by opening their wallets, by spending money with those with those sponsors. This is fascinating. I could chat to you for hours about this because because like I suppose it it does it crosses over a little way into merchandising sometimes, doesn't it? Sponsorship and and the whole thing uh, can can mix together. Absolutely, I that's one of the reasons I love sponsorship. Is it is it incorporates all the different forms of marketing? Yeah merchandising and sales and digital and social it's how do we put this together the further the ends of the relationship both for the sponsor and the property yeah ken thanks ever so much for your time where can we find you where's your website all your social media bits so you could find us at uh www.chargesponsorship.com and for your audience john if if they'd like things to help them get started in sponsorship we have all kinds of free materials cool. and that could be found at chargesponsorship.com backslash free stuff one cool. word free stuff and there are templates and other things to help your audience get started on that journey to to make best use of sponsorship fantastic what i'll do is i'll, I'll leave some some links in the show notes so folks can just tap on those and go straight to it um ken thanks ever so much for your time really appreciate it thanks john take care Thanks again to Ken for his time. Don't forget to download the free resources. There's a link in the show notes for that. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. It's everywhere. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.